Amen. I thought I thought maybe they had put some notes up here for me. Okay, can y'all hear me? I'm on. I'm good. All right. Amen. Listen, we are jumping to guess what 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 book we're going to. Lou, guess what chapter we're going to? Five. Man, did you ever imagine that there was so so much word caught up in one chapter, and we hadn't even got to the main verses yet? We're just in the early verses of the text. And we're learning so many things. We've already talked about two things. Who remembers the first message that we talked about on last night? What was the title? He picked me. He chose me. And, and that reminded us just of how important we are to God and how much of an influence that we have on the world and the society that we live in. Amen? We know that there's something special and unique about each one of us, right? And then what do we talk about secondly? What do we talk about this morning? Doubt, man, we learned how doubt can destroy our destiny, amen? It can get in the way of us doing everything that God has asked us to do. There's another message that we're going to learn in this same chapter today uh, that I believe is very important. Uh, matter of fact, maybe one of the most important things to being a great disciple uh, next to knowing Jesus personally yourself. So if you can grab your Bibles, find your way to Luke chapter 5. Uh, which you should be able to get there with your eyes closed right now, and find your way to verse 8. Amen? And then you know what I need. I need you to stand to your feet. I know we've been in the Gaga pit. We've been on the basketball court. been on the football, scoring touchdowns, everything. But we just want to stand. I'm only going to read one verse. Father God, we thank you for everything that it is that you're doing, God, and we're asking that you speak to us. And Father God, in this place right now, let us receive every word that you have. And let us understand that nothing is redundant, but everything is meaningful. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 5, verse 8 is the only verse that we're going to read. When you got it, say? All right, there we go. Here we go. But when Simon Peter saw that he, when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from the Lord. Go away from me, Lord. And... For I am a sinful man. Let me read that without stuttering. Here we go. But when Simon Peter saw that he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For a moment today, as we move forward into our second session of the day, I want to talk about accepting God's authority. Accepting God's authority. You may be seated. Accepting God's authority. Up until this point, we've seen... A lot of things happened. Jesus was on the scene. Jesus was talking to a group of people. Uh, they were crowding him. Uh, he seen some boats that were empty. Nobody was using them. He got into a boat. He says, Simon, listen, I know this is your boat, but I need your help. Can you push me out a little bit into the water so that I can talk to the people? He gets Simon's attention. Simon takes him out to the water. He begins to preach to the people. Once he's done preaching to the people, he turns his focus to Simon and the men on the boat. He says, Simon, listen, I need you to push out a little further into the deep. Why do I need you to do that? Because it's something I need you to do. But in order for me to tell you what I need you to do first, I need you to accept that I ask you to do something. I need you to be willing to do it. So Simon pushed out into the deep. Once he got out to the deep, then he understood that God had a purpose for him. While he was out there, God told him, listen, grab your nets, throw them over into the deep. Uh, and of course, we know what happened next. Simon was like, whoa, I just fished all night. 
uh, I'm tired. It didn't work out last night. Do you really want me to do that? But he didn't complain. He didn't gripe. He went ahead and said, okay, master, since you've asked me to do it, I'm going to do it. We know what happened because of Simon's obedience. He threw the nets over. Once he threw the net over, the fish just all of a sudden just jumped into Simon's net. I mean, they wasn't there all night last night, but they jumped into Simon's net today. And here his net is so full that he couldn't grab it himself, so he whistled for his homeboys. Who can whistle? Somebody whistle for me. There you go. He whistled for his homeboys. Hey, y'all come over here and help me with this situation. They come over to help him with that situation to fill the boats up. Then the boats were still getting so full. The Bible says the boats were so filled that their boats began to sink. I want to tell you something. Isn't it amazing that when you obey God, how he will bless you so much that the blessings that he gives you is just not enough for you, but it's enough for everybody connected to you to the point that it will be so much that you will think that it's weighing you down all the time. It's lifting you up. Amen. Here it is. These boats are so filled. And then something happens. We find ourselves in verse 8. And Simon sees what has just happened. He realizes what has just happened, and immediately he falls down and worships. Immediately he falls down and worships. Pastor, why is this important? It's important because Simon didn't worry about if his fish were going to get back to land. Simon, the Bible says that the fish were in the boat, the boats began to sink, and Simon saw this, and as a result of Simon saw, seeing this, he responded accordingly. Immediately he fell down and worshiped. See, some of us, we're so selfish that if God blesses us, we'll take our blessing back to safety first before we give God praise. He didn't wait till he got back to people to showboat and show off. He praised him right where he was because he realized God's authority. He's seen Christ's authority function to the fullest. He knew, I am a professional fisherman. I don't need no fish GPS. I know where the fish are every time of the year in different aspects of the seasons. I would have never thought that I was going to catch fish here. What was the problem with Simon catching fish in the deep? Their nets were not big enough to go to the bottom. Their nets were not big enough to go to the bottom. It, it's, it's virtually impossible for them to catch fish in the deep. Their whole job is to try to catch the fish in the shallow. While they're going through the shallow, it's easier there. And here it is that God is pushing Simon to do something, challenging him to do something that he's probably never done before because he knew that the likelihood of being successful in the deep was slim. When you become a disciple, God is going to push you to do some things that you've never done before, and you will doubt them because you've never done them. But the truth of the matter is, that God will push you because he knows that if I push you further out, I can make you more successful. I will push you to territories where you've never been. I will put you in situations that you never went through. But the thing is that you can't get there unless you accept God's authority. Unless you get to a point where you can really respect God's authority. And that's what we're talking about today, respecting God's authority. What does that mean? What does that entail? Well, I can tell you because I'm a married man. And I'm a married man, and I think I'm the boss of the house sometimes. I'm glad my wife is not here. I can say that with my chest poked out. I am the king of my castle. I run things at my house. Well, the problem with that is I run things for a limited time at my house. Um, 
me and my kids, we, we have no problem tearing up the house. I, I, I'm not the really clean, clean person. I like to keep myself clean, but I, I like taking my shoes off, throwing them wherever they go. I drop my clothes right by the door. I, I, that's just my thing. It's my nature. It's my character. I don't know how they end up washed and in the drawer. Uh, it's just my, <laughs> I, don't, I just know they end up from where, from where I leave them, they get to where they're supposed to be. And, and I just like that. I like the way that functions. It works. It works for me. Here lately, my wife hadn't been accepting that. She, she don't accept just put your shoes by the door. Or, or matter of fact, you don't even stack them by the door. You're leaving them in the middle of the walkway. She's not embracing that anymore. She's like, hey, it's three of y'all, one of me. It ain't working out. I need your help with this situation. I'm looking at her like, what? We almost 10 years married, and now you want me to help you? Wash clothes. I don't even know if the dryer, which function to put it on the dryer. I got so many dryer sections. What do you mean you need my my help. And so here the other day, I was off all week. I just said, this is going to be a Sabbath week. Forget a Sabbath day. I want a Sabbath week. I want every day of the week off. I'm just going to lay up, catch up on TV, watch my Netflix, and chill. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to relax. And I did that. All I did was take the kids to school, and I picked the kids up. So the house was literally a muck. I mean, literally, I left stuff everywhere. And this was not just one day. This was every day. I mean, I like noodles. I put my cheese, my hot sauce, my Fritos, whip it all up. It, I just love my noodles. So you can imagine if I eat noodles two, three times a day, that means I didn't use the same bowl. It's two or three bowls spread around the house that I've ate. And so here it is that I go pick up my kids. The house is a mess day in and day out. And my wife comes home. And I thank God that my wife parks in the garage. I park on the street, but she parks in the garage. And so we hear the garage door open. Mm. Now, all this time, I'm the king of my castle. Y'all do what I, y'all go upstairs and watch TV. Don't worry about that. Kick your shoes off. The minute that we hear that garage door open, mm. Isaiah, Maddie, come on, come on. We got to hear him and pick up. We're running around, literally, just picking up stuff, chunking it everywhere, picking up all the dishes, putting them in the sink, just because we don't want to hear mama mouth when she walk in the house. You can say what you want to, but I respect my wife's authority. <laughs> I know if she don't get what she want, I'm not going to eat. <laughs> I know if she don't get what she want, I'm not going to have clean clothes. So whatever it takes for me to please her, that's what I am going to do. Now, you would think I would be smart about this, and instead of just kicking my stuff off and having to go back and pick it up, put it where it belongs the first time. I hadn't got there yet. I'm still a work in progress. Y'all keep praying for me. But I identify that my wife has spoken, and as a result of it, I need to make sure that me and my kids are doing what we're supposed to do. See, that's for our help. I need to give her my help. I don't want any problems out of my wife. Her position in our relationship, the things that she provides in our relationship are so important to me that I have to respect her authority. When she says something, I have to respond. That's just the way the relationship works out. And I believe on her, and she would say the same for me. It's a mutual respect. It's not one is better than the other, but it's a mutual respect. But in the text, we see God in all of his authority. We see him do some amazing things. We see he has a mass group of people around him listening to his word. We see that he needs to use something, he commands it, and he gets it done. We see 
that there had not been any fish for some reason, but he says fish, and all of a sudden you have an overabundance of fish. We see God moving in miraculous ways. And even though Simon Peter has just called him master in verse 7, now in verse 8, he really realizes who he has in his boat. He realizes who he has in his boat, and as a response to him identifying God's authority, what it does is it, it really requires him to identify who he is. When he sees who God is, it triggers a natural response for him to identify who he is. The thing about it is when you identify God's authority, God's authority requires our action. When we identify who God is, it requires for us to do something. Just like the relationship with me and my wife. I identify that my wife is coming home. It requires me to start cleaning up instantly to make it seem like I've been doing it all day long. It's a natural response because of her position, what she said. The same should be applied to our relationship with God. Because of who God is, we do what we're supposed to do. The problem is that many of us don't know who God is. And as a disciple, that's really dangerous uh, because if being a Christian was a game, Jesus would be the OG. And as Jesus is the OG, we have to follow the rules that he has set out for us. And so here in the text, I love verse 8 and verse 8 alone for this because of the simple fact Simon, I mean, yeah, Simon does three very important things within this one verse. Three very important things within this one verse that talks and shows us how, as believers, we should respond to God's authority. The three things that he does in the text, and I want you to remember this, he saw, he failed, and he asked. He saw, he failed, and he asked. The first thing that he did in the text is that he, he saw. The Bible says in verse 8, but when Simon Peter saw that, what did Simon Peter just saw? He saw God command him to do something, and the fish, that he's never caught this much fish a day in his life, and the fish all of a sudden jumped into the net, and he filled up the boats, and the boats almost sank. He saw a miracle take place in his life right there that day. You know what that showed, Simon? That showed Simon one thing. God is bigger than me. That's the first thing that we need to learn today is God is bigger than you. Why is that important for us to learn that God is bigger than you? Because if we want to truly function in this relationship properly between us and God, we have to know our place. You can't be in a relationship with God and think you God. It, it, it's just not going to work out right. I want you to understand Simon's situation. He is a professional fisherman. He just said, I've used all of my skills that I've known how to catch fish, and as a result of it, last night, we didn't catch anything. We didn't catch anything last night. There's nothing there to catch today. We'll try it again next week. Th that was Simon's attitude. So when Jesus Christ tells him not only to go fishing again, but to go further out into the deep where his nets can't even reach the bottom, he's like, what? This is not going to work. 
It's never worked before. You're asking us to go into uncharted waters to do what no one has done before. When God asked him to do this and he obeys, and guess what? The follow-through, everything worked out okay. Simon realized in this moment, he's bigger than me. He knows, he knows more. If, if I thought I was the best captain in the world, he's a better captain than I am. I was about to send all of these men home with nothing in their pocket, broke and disgusted, but he sent us back out there, and now we didn't count all his fish. He did in a matter of moments what I couldn't do in a whole night. When we think about God's authority, when we think about who God is, we have to put God on the pedestal that he deserves. God is bigger than us. Anytime we get beside ourselves and try to put ourselves in God's position, guess what happens? We fall. We fall, and as a result of us falling, we always fail. Anytime we put ourselves in a situation and we try to remove God out of the equation and put ourselves at the very top, we fall. It doesn't matter if it's your relationship, it doesn't matter if it's your school, it doesn't matter if it's your job, it doesn't matter if it's your church position, whatever it is, when you decide to take God and put him beneath you instead of above you, you fail. People always ask me, well, Pastor, you're the head of your church. No, you're you're wrong. God is the head of this church. I, I work for him. He's my boss. I have someone that I have to answer to. Why? Because it's a dangerous place to be at the top. I don't want to be at the top and have nobody that I'm responsible for answering to. Do you know that a big, any big-time CEO, they still have someone they answer to? A board of directors. Why is that important? Because that shows accountability. You have somebody that you have to answer to that makes sure you do what you're supposed to do. As a pastor, not only do I have a board of directors that help me lead my church, but I also have God that I ultimately answer to above anything and everything. The minute that I take God out of the equation and put myself at the top, you know what happens? I become an enemy instead of an ally of God. That is a dangerous place for us to be as believers. As disciples, we need to accept God's authority. Who God is, he is bigger than us. Let's talk about the last person that didn't think God was bigger than him. Lucifer had the best job that he could possibly ever have in the kingdom. In the throne room, playing music, anytime somebody wanted to worship or sing Jesus or sing our Heavenly Father's song, Lucifer was the songwriter. He made it all happen. And all of a sudden, he got the big head and thought he was better than God. What happened? He fell. Falling is the natural result of thinking that you're bigger than God. So when Simon, he sees this, he sees this, he realizes that God is bigger than him. Now catch this, once you see something, it should cause you to do something. Many of us will see it, but we won't do, we won't respond. So because of what Simon sees, verse 8 tells us, that he responds. How, how does he respond? The Bible says that Simon saw it. After he saw that, he did what? He fell down at Jesus' feet. He fell down at Jesus' 
feet. Why did he fall down at Jesus' feet? It was an act of surrenderance. It was an act of worshiping. What does that show? Simon realized not only is God bigger than him, but God is bolder than him. He realized that God is bolder than him. He will do things that I wouldn't dare to do. He will go places that I wouldn't dare to go. He, he will say things that I wouldn't dare to say. He knew things that I knew nothing about. And as a result of God being bolder than me, it's basically like what happened with the Dallas Cowboys. Tony Romo had to give up to Dak Prescott. He, he, he had to choose to, to, to go before the press and willingly say, you know what? This guy, he's just standing out better than I am. That's what it means to be bold. You, you, you're, you're different. You stand out. You know, when you, even when you're on your computer and you click bold, what happens? The letters get bigger. They get darker. They stand out compared to everything else. Simon realized that, yes, I've standed out as the leader of this ship, but now I'm in the presence of the leader of the whole world. And as a result of me being in the presence of the leader of the whole world, I have a natural responsibility that I need to fall down and worship him. When you get to the point as a believer, as a disciple, that you can realize that God is bigger and God is bolder, it puts you in a natural place where you want to do the only thing that is the right thing to do is to worship God through your lifestyle. Simon didn't sit there and, and, and talk to himself in his head. He didn't care who was looking at him. He didn't care what he had. He didn't care what he thought he might have lost. He fell down and worshiped him. I want you to understand something, that as a believer, it's very important that you have an active worship life. The Bible says that you should worship God in both spirit and in truth. I like to tell my people when we look at worshiping God in spirit, that's our private time with God. That means that you got it right within yourself. And I tell people that when we think about worshiping God in truth, that's our public aspect of worship. That's what people can see about you, what is happening in your day-to-day -day life. What would people say if they saw you? What does your character speak for you? We need to worship God in both spirit and in truth. It's not about coming to church on Sunday with your family and just saying, you know, hey, I'm going to sing a couple of songs. I'm going to clap my hands and I'm good here. What are you going to do in your everyday life? What are you going to do when, when no adult is watching you, when you're hanging around with your friends, when you, when you found yourself in a dark place? What are you going to do? Are you going to worship God in truth? Are you going to stand up for what's right when everybody else is doing what's wrong? Simon didn't worry about what nobody else was doing in that moment. He wanted to do the right thing, and the right thing was to worship him for who he was. He's bigger than me. He's bolder than me. Simon saw that he was bigger. Simon felt, and as a result of him feeling, that he's bolder. He fell to his knees. But it brings us to a last and final third point. He not only realized that God is bigger, he not only realized that God is bolder, but he realized that God is better than him. How do we know that he realized that God is better than him? Because he not only saw, he not only fell, but he then opened his mouth and asked. The Bible says in, in, in verse 8, but when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying. So now he's going to open his mouth. Let's, let's see what's going to come out of Simon's mouth. Go away from me. Lord, for I am a sinful man. Whoa. Simon realizes who God is. 
He's just experienced who God is. And the first thing that came out of his mouth was, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. That's very important because some of us, if we were in the presence of God for the very first time, some of us would be asking for the winning lottery numbers. Some of us would be asking for whatever our special gift and our special talent. We'll be asking for more. Simon wasn't worried about getting more from him. Simon was worried about the fact that I am in your presence and I am unworthy to be in your presence. As a disciple, the first thing that we should understand after we realize that he's bigger, after we realize that he's bolder, we have to realize that he's better. Why does, why, what does that mean that he's better than us? None of us are perfect. We are all sinners that are saved by grace. We're all sinners that are saved by grace. And because of that, when we are in the presence of God, we should always have this conviction that says, you know what, I'm not worthy. When we wake up every day, we should always have this conviction that says, you know what, man, I just better thank God for what I have in this moment. None of us are perfect. The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And do you know in his scripture, he says every day that he wakes up, he has to put his flesh up under submission daily. Why? Because as long as you're human, you will have a desire to do the wrong thing. As long as you still have blood pumping through your body, the devil will continue to try to tempt you. You have to make a conscious decision that says, no, I'm not going to go this way. No, I'm not going to be distracted. No, I'm not going to begin to doubt God. But I'm going to remain faithful to God because I know that he's bigger, he's bolder, and he's better than me. All of this puts you in a place of humility. Do you realize that the safest way to protect your faith is to remain humble? To remain humble in your relationship with God. Never think that you're bigger. Never think that you're better. Never think that you're bolder than you really are. Always make sure that God gets the credit for what he's doing in your life. It's great that you do some great things. It's great that, you have, that your name has been said, that you've done some wonderful things. Listen, I'm thankful for every time somebody comes up to me and says, man, you really preached a good message. But guess what? It's not my message. I'm simply repeating what God has already gave. So I have to be thankful that God even left me a script that I can share this with. Because the truth be told, if I ain't had this, I don't have nothing. If you think that you can live as a Christian without even reading the book, we have a problem. See, I remember the first time I, I got a car. Don't laugh at me. It was a little Ford Aspire, a little hatchback. It was cherry. And um, my dad gave it to me. I couldn't complain. I had to take what he gave me. And I was riding around in my little two-door hatchback. I was so excited about that hatchback. My dad told me when he gave me the, the car, he says, hey, take time. This is your first car. I want you to read the manual. You know, that thing that comes inside the binder that's inside the glove department. He says, I want you to read the manual. This is your first car. Take time. Just read a couple of different pages as you go through. Just look at it. Check it out. Get to know your car. I didn't need to know anything else about this car except the gas pedal, the brake pedal, where to put the gas in the tank, and how to put that thing in neutral and drive to get where I needed to be. That's all I needed to know until I got into an accident one day. I got into an accident one day on my way to school, and I ran into the back of somebody on my way to school. 
and the car didn't have a lot of damage. Everything was cool. The lady was okay. She was like, baby, nothing's wrong. Go ahead. She left, and I'm sitting there trying to start my car back up, and guess what? It wouldn't start. I'm sitting there just trying to start my car. Everybody's behind me, blowing at me. I'm already upset. I'm late for school. I just hit somebody. My daddy's going to take the car away from me. I, I'm, I, I don't want to go through this. And people are sitting there blowing the horn at me, and I'm frustrated. I was thinking that maybe, you know what, I couldn't tell my dad about this. If I could just get to school, I can get the car started. I can go to paint class uh, and work wood shop and get some of that cherry paint and cover up the little scratch on the front, and he'll never know because the lady didn't report it. Everything would be fine. I just thought that that was the way that it was going to work out. It didn't work out like that. The car would not start. So I had to call my dad again. We didn't have cell phones that day. We had had to get out the car, leave it there, turn on the flashes, walk to the, the phone booth, and call my dad and say, Dad, listen, I'm on, I'm on uh, Buckner in Pleasant Grove. I'm on Buckner, and I had an accident, and now the car won't start. He was like, is the car messed up bad? I'm like, no, Dad, it's not, it's not messed up bad, but for some reason, it, it won't start. And um, I was like, hey, so you need to come get me. I need you to, to tow the car. And he's like, I'm not leaving work to come get you. And I'm not finna tow the car. Um, did you, did you, he told me, did you push the fuel shut off button? I'm like, fuel, what, fuel, what? No, I mean, I hit the gas pedal, but you told me not to flood the engine. It, it won't start. He was like, no, it's a fuel shut off button that when your car is designed, that if you're in an accident, it's a button that automatically pops up and it cuts off the fuel line so that your car doesn't run a risk of exploding or catching on fire. I'm like, what? He was like, it was in the manual. You remember the first page that I told you to read? It's a button that I told you to read. And if you, if you, it's in the book where I told you to read. And if you push the button, the car should be able to start. Go see if the button is, is up. So I had my friend with me. I said, hey, man, stay right here. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. I run back up the street. I run back up the street and I go to my car. And I'm looking in the trunk for the button. I can't find the button. He says it's in the trunk. And I run back and I said, Dad, there's no button in the trunk. There's no button. He says, you obviously didn't read the book, did you? No, I didn't read it, Dad. He says, go to the back of your car. On the left-hand side, there's a little strap. You just pull it, and it opens up. And sure enough, when I went back to my car, I opened it up, and it was a little red button. I pushed the little red button down, got in my car, turned it on, and was able to drive back to the payphone to pick up my friend. All of that could have been avoided if I would have read the book. Why is that so important? Your relationship with God is not going to grow by listening to people like me preach. It's great to hear it. You can take some good notes. You can take them home. But you know what? They only last two to three, seven days max. The only way that this really takes root and applies to your life if you begin to study the Word of God for yourself. As a pastor, I challenge my members to come back and ask me questions to make sure that they have total clarity about what I'm talking about. That makes me happy because I know that they've went back and they've researched the Word of God for themselves to understand what they need to do. Simon didn't base his, his relationship with God off of the people who was on the shore. Simon was in the boat. He fell down. He worshiped him right there on the spot, and he asked for forgiveness. When he opened his mouth, the first thing that came out of his mouth was, I'm not worthy, please forgive me. And as a result of it, God didn't never leave him. God gave him strength, gave him courage. He, he reminded the disciples, he reminded all of them that, listen, you have nothing to fear. 
We're going to do some great things from this point on. This is important because they never would have gotten to where they were, what they have done, if they wasn't willing to respect God's authority in their life. You as young people, I need you to understand God cares about you right where you are. You have to be willing to respect his authority in your life. The way that you should honor and respect your mom and dad, multiply that by 100, is what you should be doing for God. And the crazy thing is if you do what you're supposed to do for God, you will naturally come back and respect your mom and dad more. Why? Because the Bible says that the greatest of all things that you're supposed to be doing, the great commandment, is love. Love. And if you, if you are in a relationship with God that's so pure and you love him, you never want to do anything to offend him or to hurt him or to harm him. You want to do everything the way that you're supposed to do it. That includes loving your parents, which means if I'm loving my parents, that means obeying the rules, following directions, everything that I'm supposed to be doing. All of these things can be solved if we could just learn to respect the authority of people within our lives. We have so many things going on with the police right now because people won't respect their authority. We have so many problems in the schools right now because students won't respect the teacher's authority. We have so many problems in the home right now because kids won't respect their parents' authority. We have so many problems in the church right now because members don't want to respect pastors' authority. We have so many problems in the kingdom of God right now because the people of God won't respect God's authority. God is not a genie that you turn on and off when you want to. God is always present. He's always there. He's all-knowing. So just because I don't see you, just because John doesn't see you, just because Cliff doesn't see you, just because we don't see you because your mom and dad doesn't see you, doesn't mean that God doesn't see you. God is always watching. And your every move, everything that you do should be aimed to please God, not to please me. But to please God, you make me happy by making God happy. It's just natural. It, it happens that way. But you first have to get to understand who God is to you. And I know you think you know it all, but God knows more than you. I know you think you can do it all, but God can do more than you. I know you think you've seen it all, but God's seen more than you. So why not submit and follow the map that God is leading you, everything that God is doing. I want to tell you, because even now as a pastor and preachers and leaders, we are called to different places to do different things. We won't be able to walk with you for the rest of your life. The one person that can walk with you for your rest of your life is God. The word of God can be hidden in your heart, can be wrapped so tight in your spirit that your everyday life remains the same because it's centered around God. But if you're not willing to get your life right with God, if you're not willing to accept who God is to you, and you want to put everybody else above God, or you want to put yourself above God, then I promise you, you will have a fall. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. But one day, you'll fall. Because no one is equal to God. No one that has walked this beautiful green earth is equal to God. Even Enoch in the Old Testament who found favor in God's eyes. That God, we don't know, we don't know anything about him dying. Matter of fact, he didn't die. The Bible says that God raptured him up. God took him up. Even he's not greater than God. 
Even Jesus Christ himself, God made flesh, the Son of God, had put himself in a position to say, you know what? The only reason I'm here is to be a bridge to bring you back to my Father. The only reason I'm here, I don't want you worshiping me. I don't want you to get distracted, focusing all on me. I'm here. I'm the Savior. But I am simply a bridge, a means to connect you back where you're supposed to be. That's very important to understand because some people don't really understand the fundamentals of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be connected through Christ Jesus to our Heavenly Father. Many people can't identify who God is and the way he represents himself in our life through being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Only way you're going to get that is through reading the book. And I suggest you read it from front to back. Because the truth be told, you wouldn't pick up a Harry Potter book and skip to chapter 22. You would start at chapter 1. You wouldn't pick up Dungeons and Dragons and start at chapter 18. You'll pick up chapter 1. Whatever it is that that you, you want to start at the beginning. And just because it's the Old Testament doesn't mean it's not relevant now. You'll be amazed at how many things from the Old Testament you'll find the representation in the New Testament. But you'll never know if you never open up the book. This is the beginning to accepting God's authority, is to knowing who God is. Amen? Amen. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word, to push forward in who you're calling us to be. And again, we thank you for this period of the speed course of being disciples, to be everything that you want us to be. God, we're praying right now that you reveal yourself to us in every way so that we'll know exactly who you are in this place, Father God, in our hearts, so we'll know how important you are to us, Father God, because some of us in this place right now need you to be a protector. Some of us need you to be a provider. Father God, some of us need you to be a dad. Some of us need you to be a mom, Father God. There's so many things that we need you to be. We need you to be love. And God, we need to know that in you we can find all of these things. So God, we pray right now that our hearts are open to receive everything you have to show us so that we can be all that you called us to be. We know that you're bigger, we know that you're bolder, and we know that you're better. Father God, we pray that we never forget that, that we always remember that, so that we don't have to fall, but we can always, always be individuals that you use to carry out your call. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said,